Thanks for tuning in to the ABC Music Talk podcast, the show for anyone interested in the music industry. The phrase, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, has always been somewhat pessimistic, especially in my advancing years. Thankfully, we have stories like that of my guest in this episode to remind us all it's never too late. But first, time for me to remind you all to go road to your videos. Rota is for artists, managers, labels, or anyone in the music industry who needs to create video content for promotion or monetization. Rota makes it fast, easy, and inexpensive to do all of that in one place. Head to www.abcmusic.co and click the Rota logo on the homepage to access a 10% off discount for the service. And a note to listeners, they've just launched their dedicated Spotify canvas builder so go and check that out and they also have a whole load of new video clips from the incredible guys over at Storyblocks. so welcome to the show founder of vibrate vaza weber did i get your name right yeah you got it <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was like eh, close enough yeah okay, go on how, do you, how would you say it? it's vaza weber Oh, all right, yeah. Just you have a. Better, it was close you, enough. You, you, yeah. have a, you have a better accent than I do. That's that's all that is. <laughs> that's, that's all that's going on there. Very good. Okay, so this interview was going to be about uh, data and how it is used today to help various players in the music industry, and and we will talk about it. But uh, as Vazia and I were talking, to me, a fairly unique story unfolded. So I wanted to focus on that in this episode. As listeners know, this podcast is about education through storytelling, and Vazia has one hell of a story to tell. So let's do this episode slightly backwards, and can you introduce your company? Because we don't normally do that bit first, we normally introduce the person, but as the interview's about you as an individual, let's go with the company first of all. Uh, Vibrate is a music, music analytics platform, so if... Usually when I have to pitch really shortly, when I have only a couple of seconds, I say that um, we're doing for music what IMDb is doing for the movie industry. So we're consolidating the entire um, global music ecosystem in one platform. Um, and then we analyze their popularity. So we analyze popularity for roughly half a million musicians, 150,000 venues, 5,000 festivals, 50,000 labels. Um, and when I say we're analyzing their popularity, I'm targeting towards um, data from social media, streaming sites, ticket providers, any kind of global channel that we can get our hands on. Uh, we analyze it and then we showcase this in analytics dashboards. So each artist gets their own analytics dashboard when they can track their own popularity, how their audience is growing across different channels like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, and, and many others. Um, they can check how their audience is engaging with the content they're putting online. Uh, so label executives can use it to discover new artists. Uh, promoters can use it to see who to book to for the next festival or, or club event. Um, and artists can use it to analyze um, their own career. So how, how it's going, if, if they have a tour, if this reflects in their general popularity or not, um, they can use it to really prove that they're trending if they want to pitch a label or, or a promoter. Um, and yeah, we can then create all kinds of popularity charts with different metrics. So if you want to know who's the best rapper in Mongolia, you can basically put that chart together uh, uh, on the vibrate. 
That's great. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I think that's fairly clear. I mean, we've had people like uh, Chaz Jenkins from Chartmetric on the show before, so listeners will be familiar with the sort of business that, that, that you're operating. And so, so what did you do uh, prior to Vibrate? Because this was, this was, I think, the beginning of where we r- realized that your story might be quite interesting because we, we know a few of the same people. What, tell, tell listeners what you did before this. So yeah, the idea for Vibrate came from our previous careers. So um, I have three partners. There are three partners in our company. Uh, so it's myself, and then it's Matei, our CEO, and then we also have Umek, who is one of the hottest techno DJs in the world and top selling producer um, in techno and Beatport. <clears throat> and the idea for measuring online popularity came about when we were investing heavily into Umex advertising because Matei and I uh, used to manage him for over 10 years. Um, and back in the days when Facebook was by far the hottest um, network, we were investing up to 120,000 euros per year into advertising his profile, getting new followers to follow his Facebook page because it makes a lot of sense. Uh, people were picking up um anything and everything that he was putting online and his popularity grew and that slightly resonated and his fees going up, uh, he was getting um, way more demand from, from promoters and so on. But we wanted to see how those actions, those investments or tours or releases influence his popularity basically in real time. And there were no Uh, such platforms uh, before and we just built a simple website that was measuring how many followers DJs were getting across a small number of uh, social media channels back then it was still MySpace it was so many years ago Uh, and it just took off so we started measuring it for 1000 DJs we were only specializing in DJs back there. Vibrate specializes in all genres now but because our, um, our industry was electronic music we started with a thousand DJs. We opened up the database uh, so anyone could add new profiles and start measuring them. And we ended up with 30,000 user-generated profiles of DJs. Um, and this is where we realized that uh, we were up to something um, and that there's true demand on the market for premium analytics uh, services. So we decided to slightly put aside our management, music management business and focus on vibrate um we went and we raised 1 million euros in our seed round after only one pitch uh, for the local accelerator here um and the funny thing is that our the biggest angel investor in this round um doesn't have anything to do with music because he happens to be one of the best nuclear physicists in the world. So his company of course, is producing a, na- a natural bedfellow for something like this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So his company is producing um, controllers for particle accelerators, the big thing that we ha- they have in CERN. Uh, so he doesn't have a clue about the music industry. He just said, okay, I heard your pitch. I truly believe in your team and, and what you're doing. And so here's my money and do whatever you want with it. So that, that's the best way to get seed investment. So, so you joined this accelerator. Tell us a little bit more about what that was like. Um, I believe that uh, you, you might have felt uh, in a, when you walked in the room, how did you feel? <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. Because you were in amongst some other entrepreneurs, weren't you? Yeah, it was um, 
we're quite old to be a part of the accelerator. Because <laughs> you know we were what? That, all... that was the word I was trying to tease out of you. I'm glad you said it, not me. <laughs> yeah. So I was I was in my late thirties. Uh Omek and Mateo were way in their forties. And usually the typical member of an accelerator is an entrepreneur in their teens or early twenties. Um, and when, when we walked in the room, people thought that we were mentors. Um, they, <laughs> Umek is a superstar in our country, so everyone knows him. And they, they also knew us because we were doing a lot of uh, electronic music events. Um, we also had a mar- um, event marketing company that was doing corporate events for huge clients like Philip Morris, uh, Vodafone. Um, and... Yeah, so we, we were like semi-known. So they, whether they went to our parties or they only Umek, and they thought, well, they're, they're probably going to have a lecture here, which wasn't true. We said, no, we're just a part of the accelerator with our startup. And we had to learn everything yeah. from scratch. Right, okay. I mean, what was that like? I mean, because, I mean, when you're so accomplished in one particular discipline, to then sort of put your, I guess, ego aside, anything you know aside, and just be a sponge for, for new information. How, how did that feel? What was it like going back to school? Well, it was, the first thing was that we were, uh, we knew how to pitch corporations. Um, because having a marketing agency, you have to pitch a lot of clients um, to win pitches. And uh, it's a completely different way of pitching a corporate client and pitching a VC. And another thing is, if you have to pitch a world-famous DJ to, let's say, a new talent agency, it's a piece of cake because everyone wants to work with them. So when 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 we were with Umek, when we were switching agencies, when I went to Lynn Cosgrave, um, to uh, Safe my, House. My, my old mentor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was quite easy. So the basically the pitch was, so this is Umek and we're switching agencies. Would you like to take it? And I said, yeah, of course. <laughs> that was it. So it, it was it was it was a completely different world and persuading investors that they should invest their money and trust you 100% with their money, even though they don't know you're a perfect stranger to them. It's, it's, it's much harder than one might think. And so we had to forget everything that we learned in the past few decades of our, um, of our work in, in marketing and music management. And so we were just on the same level than those teens learning everything from scratch. And, but it was, it was a nice learning experience. We learned a lot and yeah, it, it, it made us who we are now. Okay, that's great. Um, and so you're you're sitting in this accelerator. You've got the the funding from this nuclear physicist because you know that's normally how these things go. Um, what happened next? Yeah, so the accelerator opened an office in Silicon Valley and in, in San Jose, California, and they said, "Okay, you should be the first company to go there." Um, we have a contract with WeWork. Uh, they actually gave gave away. Um, a couple of offices in their uh, newly built building in San Jose. Um, so it was it was a quite favorable deal. Um, and they said, okay, go to San Jose. We're going to introduce you to a bunch of Silicon Valley investors. We're definitely going to invest in our company because you, you really, you're building an, a, an awesome service. And we said, okay, yeah, sure. We packed our bags. So my wife and I moved uh, San Jose for four months. We left everything behind. We just bought a house, got a dog, and we had to leave everything behind uh, to go chase that uh, the American dream. And when we when we came to San Jose, we realized that 
first of all, we're way too early for Silicon Valley because we were, we basically only had an MVP without a business model, without any revenue, with very little users. Um, and the second thing is that we really didn't have a network. So the, the accelerator was new there. So no one knew them. No one knew us. And we were sending emails like crazy with our pitch to all the VC contacts we could find online. And there were no replies, obviously, because we're getting thousands of those emails weekly. Uh, we started calling them. No, no one was picking up the calls or returning the calls. Um, it was just, it was a nightmare. And after two weeks of sitting in our offices, thinking about what we should do next, whether we should just leave everything here and go back home, we said, well, we're here. We might as well pay him a visit. And this is not, in, in Silicon Valley, you need like two warm intros in order for someone to answer your email. And what we did was we went to Crunchbase. We <clears throat> printed out a list of all the investors from Silicon Valley who invested in music companies in the past. Uh, we rented a car and we paid them a visit. So we, we went to Sand Hill Road, Palo Alto, they're all together in one huge pile of buildings, just VCs. And Sand Hill Road is basically 100% VCs. So you park your car and you just go office by office. Just We, we were breaking into, into their offices, going past the reception and or security, and just find a first man or woman who looked like an investor and started pitching and then handing our uh, pitch to them, um, which was super awkward at the beginning because we were afraid of their reaction. But once we found out that their reaction is 99% super positive because VCs like the hustle, then it became a, like a game for us. And we did this for, it was, I think it was a little less than 70 VCs. Um, we got escorted out once <laughs> and we even found a way. So it, it, like I said, it, it became a game. So at first in, in Palo Alto and in Sand Hill Road, it's quite easy because all those buildings are uh, ground level buildings. So you just go in. Uh, but in San Francisco, there are skyscrapers. And usually those VC offices are in higher floors. And you have to make your way past the security, which is pretty tight. So you have to have a meeting and you have to tell the, um, the security guard who you're meeting and where you come from. Uh, obviously, they I was going to say, because like, that, that's often how it works in big buildings, right? You know, you have to, yeah. you know, like they have a time. But yeah, you have to have an appointment. Yeah, right, so exactly. So we had to use some social engineering to get in. And, social um, engineering, love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's analog hacking. So we, we picked a it. random name that we found on, on Crunchbase because they have their team member names. Uh, so we, we um, came to the, um, to the security guard. Usually it was the best to come like 10 past the hour. So it, we appeared late. And we said we were super nervous and say, okay, so we're we're meeting John from this company and we're 10 minutes late. Can can you let us uh let us know which floor they're in? And they were super helpful. Americans are usually helpful. And I said, Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, don't worry, don't worry. Just calm down. We're gonna we're gonna settle everything. Okay, they're in 50th floor. One of the security guards even pressed the button on the elevator, and this is how we came to their Beautiful. offices. Um it was so it, it, we were still honestly 
not successful with raising our next round because, like I said, we were way too early. Uh, but what we got was a really, uh, with a bunch of feedback and um, a nice list of contacts that that we're, we can use now uh, to raise our next round. Okay, that's uh, that's very good. And so, actually, I'm very curious. What were the pitches like when you're sort of running into these buildings, grabbing the first person that may be an investor, and uh, and like, say, hey? Have you got five minutes? Like, what, what does that pitch sound like? What, what, <laughs> what, do you, what do you say at that point? So we had leaflets uh, printed um, that had an elevator pitch on one side and a URL um, with the link to our deck on the other side. So those are, were the leaflets that we we're handing out. Uh, but we were just delivered a simple elevator pitch. So you, you right, have so only a couple quick, seconds. Super simple, just like... Yeah, like I said, IMDb it. for music or we're analyzing popularity for the entire music ecosystem. And and then when you when you say this, then you see if they're interested or not. But they were all interested because they, they don't want to like miss the out. They also they don't want to miss out, right? <laughs> this. Well, yeah, they don't want to miss out. But that's that's the that's the case with with most of the pitches. Uh, the thing that they liked with us is was is one of their uh, one of the VCs put it. He said that um, to, nowadays. Entrepreneurs are spoiled and they, they all have social anxiety and they, they don't even like to make calls. They just send emails and trying to get an, an intro. And you guys, some crazy Eastern European company, you're just storming in their offices personally. And this is the hustle that, that it's, it's not common anymore uh, in Silicon Valley. All right. Okay. So that, that played in your, into your favor. That's, that's, uh, that's good. That's good to know. Any aspiring entrepreneurs that just want to you know, pitch up at Palo Alto, <laughs> just, just, just walk in with some leaflets. It's all good. Do you think that would still work today? Do you think it's still the same? How long ago was this, by the way? It was in 2016. Uh, okay. All right. I mean, I, I don't think that... this will work right now because of the pandemic. Well, it doesn't say the COVID thing. Yeah. Like, about, yeah. Like that, that but it was, we're not the, the only company that did this. Actually, the idea, uh, we came to the idea when, when we read an article on TechCrunch, when, some founders broke into Mike Arrington's house. Michael Arrington was the founder of TechCrunch, bringing him coffee and breakfast. <laughs> so he was sleeping wow. in his bed and he just came and we, we brought you coffee. That's... Luckily, he's a guy who has a great sense of humor. So say, he didn't that, call could, the that could end badly. They've got guns in America. <laughs> yeah. Like that could end really yeah, that, badly. That, 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 <laughs> a lot of guts. <laughs> oh my God. But in VCC, it is. So if, if you're prepared to hustle now, then you're going to be prepared to hustle when you have your product and when you have to sell it. This is the this is the thing that they see in you. Yeah, no, sure. Um, and you were saying that you, you didn't feel like you were very successful. You know, what were the sorts of things oh. that you know? How how did this? How did you find out that you weren't successful? Like with the, with those pitches, but how did that work? Well, we didn't end we didn't end up with money in our account. Well, yeah, I guess that's the <laughs> you cannot miss that. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Did, I mean, we yeah, we came back. We came back around Christmas, and it was it was one of the most dramatic weeks in our history. So we only had money for the next two weeks. We said, okay, we're before we go fully bankrupt, we're still going to leave enough money to take our team for a trip, and then we're going to go bankrupt. And we said, okay, but we will tell the investors um, the situation, and we had an investor meeting. Uh, I think it was two days before Christmas. Um, and we told them that we were unsuccessful, that we really tried our best and we really did. Um, and that we only have money for two weeks. And um, the investor that I told you about, so the, the nuclear physicist, said just in cold blood, so how, how, how much money do you still need to, um, to carry this forward? And 
we didn't have a number prepared because we we weren't hoping for something uh, like this to happen. And we just said from the top of our minds, well, 400,000 euros. And he said, okay. And it was it. So he bailed us out without any additional questions, uh, any any valuation questions, and the same terms as before. So here's 400k. Just carry I on. I mean, what? It's just it's. I mean, you know, it's for, for mere mortals like me. Just that that concept. Like, yeah, sure. Here you go. No worries. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's kind of bonkers. Okay. So all right. So so that gave you some uh, some more runway. So what what happened after that? So that was. That was in 2017, and the idea for Vibrate was always, we were playing with the idea to first create a database of, of all industry stakeholders. Then the second stage is we're going to create a tool um, that, that will analyze them so you'll know who's worth your attention. And the third and final stage is going to be to um, create a marketplace. So much like Airbnb for music, you have a wedding or you have an event, you go online and you book uh, the artist that fits your profile. And um, a part of this was um, obviously if, if you need to book an artist online, you have to pay them. And we were always playing with the idea to use cryptocurrencies to pay for artists uh, because they solve a lot of um, issues. So you can have escrow. Um, it takes a couple of seconds for the, for the funds to clear. Um, and in 2017, this was also the hype of um, ICOs, the, the peak of the ICO hype. So everybody was raising insane amounts of money without any delusion um, and with, with only an, an idea. And we had the edge of having an actual product. Uh, so we, we had something to show to people and we explained the idea. Right, so you didn't just have that, the, the we, white paper. You you had a, a yeah. Like a we actually had a white paper plus an actual product right, yeah, right, that right, was right, working, right. and this is why we were super successful because we sold out around ten point seven million dollars in under five minutes. We could easily raise fifty million, uh, but we we put a hard cap in our race. Uh, it was it was a life changing event. So we went from around was like 10 people in the office and they were all, all they, they weren't all full-time we grew to 45 in a matter of two months so we had That's... to move to new offices yeah it all went super super fast and for a while we were the hottest startup in the country so we we even had a prime minister with his whole cabinet visiting our offices learning about blockchain technology it was just strange and, and, right. and super interesting but, but it, but, moments. But it's interesting because, I mean, your actual platform doesn't ha- need any blockchain, right? It, it just, it, it, that you, all you were doing is using the ICA con- concept to, to raise funds, right? I mean, is that, is that right or not? Well, no, because um, right now we're integrating uh, a solution that will allow people to uh, pay first for our services with crypto, uh, to book artists with crypto. Um, like I said, you can, you can, in a couple of years, you'll be able to book whoever is going to sell their gigs on Vibrate and just pay them in Ether or our own token or Bitcoin or whatever you're going to choose. Um, because we think that this is the future of, of bookings. They're not going to go with yeah. uh, money wires and waiting for three days for the money to clear and then, then not going to the airplane because you haven't received the funds before the airplane took off as an artist. 
Um, and we also think that um, crypto has one other really important thing for artist bookings is um, those who dealt with artist bookings know that um, there's always a risk. So if you pay the artist up front and if they don't show, show up for any reason, even if they miss the plane, they're not going to return the money. They're going to give you a backup gig. And you all you already paid for a bunch of promotions. So you as a promoter, uh, you're going to bear some costs. And the same goes the other way. So if you not get paid up front as maybe a small-time artist, and then the ticket sales are slow and people not drinking, the promoter is going to come to you and say, okay, I, I'll need a 30% off of your price because it just didn't go well. Um, so the solution for this is escrow. Uh, when held, funds are held in escrow until the event is over and then everybody's protected. And if you want to do this with euros or, or, or dollars, you need a permission from central banks or central financial authorities for each country that you want, to, you want to operate in. But if you do this in crypto, there's no centralized authority holding the funds, which means that you don't need any licenses. You can, because funds are held on, in a decentralized way on a blockchain. So no one's holding the funds. They're protected with a smart contract. And this is this was the the initial idea of creating um, um, a market for for artists, and then the pandemic hit us. So <laughs> the life the life segment died down for a year and a half. Uh, so we took this opportunity to further develop our analytics service. So now it's much better than um, before the pandemic, and now we're slowly getting back together and in, in starting to build the, the marketplace features. Okay, that's that is. Really interesting. I must have actually, I missed that. I, I was only uh, focused on the analytics uh, p- part of the, the business because that's how it was introduced to me. But um, so, th- yeah, that's, that's why we have, that's what we have live now. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. So, if you don't know the background, you don't know the plans. So, so how, how, okay, now, now I might get a bit, bit weird and geeky with you, but um, the, uh, okay, so this idea that, I mean, this, the, the escrow concept is, is really, really simple. I really like the way that people have adapted. The, the use of blockchain to kind of uh, not replicate a real world solution as is, but kind of, because then it's one understandable, has good product market fit. Um, but normally it's done, only done because it's made it better and easier. Like I had um, mm-hmm. uh, Dan Dewar from Paper Chain, who's created the idea of advances through Spotify trend reports with Paper Chain, uh, which is a fantastic episode. Go back and listen to that if you're interested in these things. And so it's not that money can't be advanced in the normal world using fiat currency. It's just that this is just a better, more automated, faster way of doing it. And and yep. so I I really like this. So how do you deal with conf- conflict resolution when uh, you've got perhaps a discrepancy over whether somebody should get their fee or not? So you cannot protect both parties 100%. Uh, so those things still at the end, might be solved in court. Um, uh, because sometimes, yeah, the promoter will say, okay, I, I didn't really expect your set to only last for an hour. I paid for an hour and a half, so I'm not really satisfied with how it went and, and vice versa. So the, the artist can say, okay, I didn't show up because you didn't really pay for, for flight tickets or something like that. You cannot solve every every possible scenario with, with using blockchain. Um, and it's, it's, the same goes for traditional escrow. Uh, even if if you have an escrow through a centralized authority, uh, there might be disputes, and they, they they need to be resolved. 
Yeah, right. Okay, so, so you are just looking at that sort of uh, international uh, aspect of, of money transfer and, and solving for that. Because that's kind of where most of the, the focus is at the moment still uh, in the, the, the sort of the, the, the working versions of things. It's, all, it's still about, you know, the digital currency. We also did um, um, a test um, of a concept um, a couple of months ago. Uh, so for Umek, who's our co-founder, uh, we sold his gig contract as an NFT. Um, so we don't know who bought it. Uh, we just see the, the the wallet that holds it. And whoever bought it now has the right uh, to his performance, wherever in the world. Um, the thing is that right. so they can cash it in. They can cash it in. So okay. he will actually come and play. They still need to contact his booking agent, but the thing is that, that with what the token, the gig is already paid for. Uh, but this, they still have to provide the, the sound and then uh, all the other um, standard things. Uh, but the idea was that they can resell the, the token. So they, whoever holds it now bought it slightly cheaper than his regular price. Um, and maybe after two years, when the pandemic is completely over, they can sell the gig to. I don't know, Ultra. Say, okay, I, I hold the right to mix gig. If you want to buy it, okay, uh, here's the money. And now they have the contract and they can contact the agent and say, okay, we now have the right to his performance and this is the date of the gig. It's already paid for. So let's, let's, uh, let's sign the contract. Uh, and good, it, it, it really went quite well. So we got, yeah. we got a, uh, the, the starting bid was, I think it's $3,000. We ended up with 10K. Um, so people were bidding. Nice. Uh, quite yeah. nicely yeah no that, that's uh, that is really interesting okay so, so you did that as a sort of a, a time limited bid and eventually yeah. whoever right okay very good I guess there are some risks in in that in the idea of perhaps you know Umek having to play a gig that he perhaps doesn't want to <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's that's always that's always a risk. Yeah. Even even so, we had um, I, I was working as a manager for over ten years, and we had a bunch of those weird gigs because you you don't know the promoter until you get to the concert, and there are a lot of weird stories <laughs> involving all kinds of different people and all kinds of different situations. So he he sometimes. He was threatened. He had oh, to um, cut the gigs short, and it was. Oh wow! So yeah, there, there's no protection yeah. um, anywhere. So even even in the, in the traditional uh, booking space, you can you can have the you can have Russian mafia book you, and you don't even know that you're playing for them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. I, I, I would press you for some stories, but I have a horrible feeling that we might strain <laughs> to a world we perhaps don't want to visit uh, ever. And because you've got in in the in the analytics platform, you've got live uh, information. Uh, sorry, yeah, information about live shows, and that's part of your analytics data, right? That's kind of one of your USPs, actually, isn't it? I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, with this sort of uh, development around the the booking. A piece of it and this escrow concept are you able to integrate any of that into the analytics platform i guess because you'd know when gigs are being played or not and things like that i mean i don't know mm-hmm. how, how close the other two projects align so yeah it's they're, they're all connected like i said the three stages were database analytics and, and marketplace um and the idea was that first you you access basically every musician in the world and then you use analytics to find out who fits your event. So whether they're popular in your city, 
um, they're suitable for your size of the venue, and then you'll be able to book them. So we use live data that we're getting from uh, most of the major ticket providers, and we get their daily van feeds. And then our analytics engine can recognize the names of the venues, and then it matches it with our venue database. And, and, our, and our venue database um, has venue profile, venues profiled, so we know their capacity range, we know their location, we know their type. And based on that, we can then calculate the average size and the type of the venue that the artist is usually playing in. So if you want to, if you have a club that has up to 500 people downtown Los Angeles, uh, you can only look for artists who are popular in LA and who usually play for clubs with a capacity of five, 500 people. Um, so you can you can really boil down the results um, to to get the the best possible fit uh, for your bookings. Because if when you're a promoter, so before Vibrate, we we were doing a lot of events, um, and we also did uh, label nights for Umex label sixteen oh five. I we said, okay, that's gonna be easy. We signed a contract with a local really cool underground club, and we said we're gonna do two a month. Um, and we can just go on and on and on. After five nights, we ran out of ideas on who to book. And we were professionals. We were full in the techno scene. We knew everyone. We knew who's trending, who's great. We still ran out of ideas on, on, for the lineup. And a service such as Vibrate can offer you basically limitless possibilities to explore, to, to discover artists that are trending, but somehow flew under your radar. And the older that you get, the less feeling you have for what younger people are listening to. Um, and it doesn't matter what you like. It, what matters is what people who buy tickets like. And so you, can, you have to turn off your personal taste for music if you want to do successful events and just check use a service like Vibrate to check what people in your country or city are listening to right now. And so this, and then it makes it quite easy. So you just book those artists if you have the budget. Yeah, I love this. This is really good. I really like how that's going to be immediately helpful to to others. Um, and, and I like the fact that these ideas come out of a need that you've identified for your own personal reasons, right? Uh, I, I think they're, they're always the, the, you know, the best types. Um, it's very good. And so in terms of roadmap, uh, it's, I mean, you've given a pretty good description of kind of what you're up to and how you're, you're building. Is there anything else that you're excited about that, that's coming out of the uh, the development team at the moment? So yeah, we're just just today we launched um, our dedicated social tab uh, in the analytics where we're focusing solely on social media stats, and we're really going deep into um, into turning data into information. Uh, so um, that's that's another thing that we just launched, and we soon we're going to launch YouTube stats uh, because YouTube turns out to be almost as important as, as all any other streaming channel, if not more. Um, so for, for some genres, even more. So we, I, I was talking with a um, managed agency that specializes in country music, and they said, we're only interested in YouTube data. We're not even interested in Spotify. That's a huge industry right there. Um, and that, that's why we decided to, aside from Spotify having a dedicated analytics dashboard, that YouTube also deserves one. And in 2022, we're going to go, so right now we're 
analyzing data on the artist level. And in 2022, we're going to go down to the track level, um, which is a completely different animal <laughs> to deal with uh, because there's so, so many tracks. Uh, so, I mean, Spotify has 120 million tracks in their catalog. And this yeah, is going to be growing a, at a rapid a, clip yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. it's just crazy. It, it, you cannot, you cannot uh, keep pace, keep track. And um, so, yeah, this is something that we're focusing right now. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's nice to see that the industry, the music industry is getting back on its feet after the pandemic uh, because it was, I, I usually joke that we picked the worst time in history to start selling a service to music professionals when they were sitting at home and hoping that that events are, are, are going to go and they're going to not going to be banned anymore who thought that this will happen yeah i mean i, I look i think the live sector obviously really really got hit i mean just so many people lost their livelihoods i mean the, the, yeah. you know, the, the uk government did this awful thing of asking people to retrain i mean just just so disrespectful but anyway uh, and i think we were all i think we all knew that it would come back i think what we didn't know was how long it would take uh, and mm -hmm. you know and it's really still being impacted by it people are nervous about going out still they're not they're not necessarily back in the venues as well so i think there's i think we're, it's just a sort of it just it, it's going to take a minute but you know it sounds like you guys are going to be really well placed to help people maximize their uh their their, their costs um by being a bit more accurate about who they're booking and uh, maybe using your your escrow account to help protect their actual business as well uh so you know i think this is it's great and i think you know from what what you've said you know you guys are going to be really well placed uh you know when this all does really you know get back into into the full swing of things so it's excellent news well done well, uh, listen, man, I really appreciate it. It was a really, really good story. I hope I hope my listeners um, are inspired by that and especially those in our advancing years, uh, you know, realise that we can, we can still do these things. So it's really, really good. Good. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you. It was a pleasure. So to my listeners, thank you for listening. As ever, I welcome all feedback, comments and suggestions for future shows. My Twitter and Instagram handle is at Alex Branson or head to the website, which is www.abcmusic.co and you'll find a contact page on there. Uh, also a shout out to the incredible audio assassins who have provided the music branding for the show. And if you like the show, please give a five star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening.